Diamond Coat partnered with KYCS, that stands for Keep Your Community Safe Global Inc., to offer Invisitrack, the best available stolen vehicle recovery system on the market today. This covert device can be used within your dealership to track and protect your lot. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the December 16th, 2022 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Lason, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. Our guest today is at the forefront of the lithium industry in Alberta, a province not often thought of as being a key player in the Canadian auto industry, but that's all about to change. E3 Lithium of Calgary is set to begin producing a massive amount of lithium, a much-needed mineral in electric vehicle batteries. Today's guest will tell us about an $87 million project and what it means to the industry. He also talks about how the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act affects the mining industry in Canada, and he'll discuss Alberta's growing role in automotive. All that and more when I speak with E3 Lithium CEO Chris Dornbus on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Chris, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Yeah, very happy to be here. Glad to have you. Let's start here. Tell me more about this $87 million project you guys have planned for Alberta. Yeah, thanks for the question. Look, we the $87 million project that Minister Champagne was, was referring to is basically all of the costs that we have accounting for from August 2021, when we put the application into the Strategic Innovation Fund for the funding, all the way to the point where we need to build a facility. So it is it is all of the engineering work. It is all of the drilling and development work for the resource. Um, it is our pilot that we plan to run next year. It is the whole amount of work all the way to the end of feasibility study um, that we are going to do. And it's covered under the Strategic Innovation Fund. The $27 million covers effectively 34% of all of those project costs. It includes also most of our staff as well. And the point of this project, what is the goal? What will you be producing? How will it operate? Absolutely. So E3's goal is to um, aiming for currently uh, 2026 for first lithium to produce a battery quality lithium hydroxide from the Leduc aquifer uh, lithium resource that we have underfoot here in Alberta. How, how much is there? How much lithium is there? Can you put into context or perspective for our listeners? Of, I don't know if you can put it in the number of batteries it might be able to produce or the number of vehicles it might be able to affect, or can you put it in context in terms of how it compares to other um, deposits around the world? How big is what we're dealing with in Alberta? I mean, it's, it's massive. It is the resource base that is in Alberta. Ours is 24 million tons, lithium carbon equivalent. The, the rest of the province has another 24, which is 48.3 million tons of lithium uh, resources, LC, lithium carbon equivalent. Um, that is the world largest lithium resource in one single jurisdiction. So it is a big, big, big opportunity for the province. That's amazing because we hear people say, oh, but it's going to take so long for us to catch up to China or to Australia or other places where these things are mined. But does this make us a huge player? That size of deposit, what kind of future is that for Canada in the lithium uh, business? Right. If E3 is successful, if our peers are successful and we get lithium production up and running, again, we're aiming for 2026 and we're well on our path to that. Um, You know, we plan to start at, uh, 20,000 tons thereabouts for our first plant. But we believe that based on the brine resources just E3 holds, 
we can scale to two to 300,000 tons a year, and we can operate that for 50 years. So we will be, and that's just us, Alberta will be a major jurisdiction for lithium products uh, feeding this this ecosystem as Mr. Champagne calls it, the battery ecosystem. And so, and lithium is the fundamental one, right? It is in every battery chemistry uh, that are being manufactured today. So when might we see this go from an infield pilot to commercial output? How long does that take? What does it entail? Right, so we're hoping to pilot uh, next year, probably later in the year, Q3. Um, the, the success of that pilot um, puts us on a very clear path towards commercial um, because the one thing holding us back right now from doing the, the detailed engineering design is, the, uh, is the, the information, the data that we collect from that pilot operating. So we're, we're currently working through the, the pre-feasibility study. We want to have that out by the end of next year or thereabouts. Um, and then um, from there, you start the engineering of the actual facility. And you also have to go get your permits, which we do under the Alberta Energy Regulator here, who regulates oil and gas. So it's a very clean, streamlined process. It's actually very transparent. You could go on the website, the AR website, and download the, the directives, they're called, that govern how we apply for our licenses. Um, so all of that starts happening, and then we have to go find the project finance. And that project finance part is is already started. We're we're talking to strategic partners, um, and those strategic partners are are potentially people that are building the batteries or building the cars, right? So all of that is is underway, and, and leads us to hopefully be you know building and then operating in 2026. You mentioned where I wanted to go next. Um, do you have uh, battery manufacturers and processors? clamoring to get their hands on lithium from Alberta. What is that like right now? Because we just heard today, as I speak to you, I read a story that prices are now going up for lithium and other minerals because the demand of batteries, because we can't extract them fast enough from the ground. So what is it like sort of answering the phone on your end? Are you getting calls and knocks at the door saying, hey, when is that going to be online? Are you getting calls from overseas, folks who need this stuff to get them in batteries as quickly as possible. I mean, absolutely. That when you look at the context of uh, a normal mineral project, that the, the type of sale contracts that everyone has to find at some point in, the, in life before they can build the plant, right? You need to have customers. Generally, they happen in during the feasibility stage. So you have, and, and near the end where you have a, a much more definitive time frame within months of your first lithium pro product. Um, that's generally when you're out there signing these agreements. What we're seeing across the industry, including us, but across the industry, is that the um, the purchasers of these products are, are getting further, further down the line in terms of their engagement with companies. LG signed, uh, has signed MOU, non-binding offtake agreements with a myriad of companies. Um, LG Cam, obviously one of the bigger uh, battery producers out of South Korea, and we were in South Korea uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and for good reason. I mean, some of the biggest battery facilities that are being planned in North America are being planned by the South Korean battery companies. And so, and that's why Minister Champagne is very excited to be in Korea, because he's got some history working there, but they also are very good partners for us um, in the sense that they have that technology. And ultimately, I would love to see Canada have its own technology and, and have its own battery uh, production stream. Um, but for the present time, I think where you're seeing all these big movements are guys like POSCO and LG uh, announcing 
facilities in Canada. And that means that we have Canadians working on them, even if the, the companies are, are from South Korea. But um, everybody is looking for lithium and everyone's going further and further down the lines to secure it. So I expect that it will be no different, but there, there still is the appropriate time to sign one of these agreements. And we could be out there signing non-binding MOUs today, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to find meaningful relationships with real customers that are, that are gonna commit to E3 as a, as a partner to get our product out the door. Um, and those take a bit longer. And you know, there's a sweet spot in terms of how close we are to production when those get signed. Um, but of course, we're, we're engaging across the industry. You, you mentioned sort of an all-Canadian battery supply chain. Do you see that in our future? Is that where this is going? Because we know you mentioned uh, POSCO. Um, they're building a, a uh, refinery in Quebec. In fact, there's a town in Quebec that has, you know, three or four lined up. They're, they're banging down the door there. Are, are you, do you see a day where Alberta is connected to Quebec and then all of that ends up in Ontario? Do you see that kind of supply chain in our future? I mean, I hope I hope we see a, a Canadian supply chain. Um, you know, the reality is, is that some of this will end up in the United States and some of this will end up in Europe over time. Um, but I, I, my goal is a Canadian supply chain. And in fact, it makes a lot of sense efficiency wise to, to make what's called CAM or cathodactic material close to your lithium source. And so we're advocating hard to try to get, um, you know, incentivize these companies to bring that that manufacturing to alberta that's a long lead goal right uh, but but we would love to see that the more more of that vertical come into alberta but definitely from our perspective you know canada putting canadians to work building canadian pro products um uh, all through the vertical from the raw materials all the way through to the to the cars that are putting they're putting cells into uh, is is absolutely uh, a very important goal for Canada and, and we are, we want to support it. We want to be part of it. So yes, going in to, to Canadian supply chain would be, would be a huge uh, benefit for, I think all of Canada. And we'd support that. We'll be right back after this short break. Everyone wants a new vehicle, including thieves. Across Canada, we're facing massive inventory shortages and delivery delays. This is now causing vehicle theft and carjackings to rise to unprecedented levels. In response, Diamond Coat partnered with KYCS, that stands for Keep Your Community Safe Global Inc., to offer Invisitrack, the best available stolen vehicle recovery system on the market today. This covert device can be used within your dealership to track and protect your lot. Working exclusively with Crime Stoppers, we're able to connect with local law enforcement almost immediately after a vehicle is reported stolen. You can rely on our expansive network to help recover your vehicle. For a limited time only, we're offering a 50% discount on devices offering three-year protection. For more information on how we can help protect your lot, visit diamondcoat.com and contact us. Diamond Coat, we've got you covered. Welcome back to the podcast where I'm speaking with E3 Lithium CEO, Chris Dornbus. The U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, how has that affected how you do business or have you passed judgment on that uh, piece of legislation yet. I just wonder how it fits into what you're doing. Good thing, bad thing, um, maybe nothing at all. I just wonder how you view that. There's a shift. There's a shift um, that is being driven by the United States, and it's bigger than just the IRA. It's also the CHIP Act and the Defense Production Act that is that is trying to de-incentivize 
um, batteries and raw materials coming out of China. And regardless of if you like that or you don't like that, the reality is that the, the United States wields a big stick in this in this arena. And so for us, um, you know, the impact to us is that it is unlikely that our materials now will go to China. And so I think that's the ultimate consequence. Um, but I think that it is for the betterment in the long term, um, because what that means is that it's in it, what the goal of these these programs and these acts that the government are passing is to bring that supply chain locally. And there is a big push even in Europe to deglobalize the supply chain and try to build more local, try to find more raw materials local and have your own energy security, right? And this is a, a mini, uh, you know, revolution, industrial revolution. We are changing the way we will use energy by bringing a battery and using electricity in a mobile sense is, is, is changing that ecosystem. And, and the United States has identified that it, that that needs to be, you know, we'll call it North America domestic. And that's, so th those are really what, what's fundamental in the change. The benefit there though, is that there are local customers that are, that are still in, in high need of the product. So we're not going to be shy of people to sell our product to, um, even if it can't go into China. So how do we stack up against China when it comes to these critical minerals and the production process and the supply chain? Is this a game we can win? And if so, what does it take? Or have we already played all of our cards? And by all of us, I mean North America, because really the North American auto industry sort of competes against China as as one. So is this something we can win or all the are all the pieces in place? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I probably have a slightly different perspective. I'm not, I don't see this as a win or a lose against China, but, um, you know, and, and that's, that policy that's being derived is being pushed at the highest levels of, of the U.S. And, and in some part, the Canadian uh, government. Um, from the, the industry perspective, China is the leader. China has the majority of the production, the majority of the processing, and the majority of the manufacturing. And it is for that reason why the United States is doing what they're doing. Um, but they are the leaders. A lot of the technology was developed there. Um, they were the first to implement the, the adoption of electric vehicles is, is double or triple what it is the rest of the world. So they are the leaders. And we, we can't ignore that fact that, that China has led the way in, in, in shifting. And, and there's lots of reasons for that. Um, and, it, you know, when you look at the landscape of, of battery manufacturing, I mean, Asia in at large are, are leading the way, right? Japan and South Korea outside China are the two bigger, after China, the next two bigger battery um, technology co uh, companies exist in those countries, from those countries. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think there's a big benefit to China having led the way. Um, and so we don't really, like, we, 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 we are pragmatic. We understand the landscape of what's going on with policy and that it is unlikely, therefore, that we will, you know, sell our products into China. Um, but we also, it's, it, you know, they, they are the leaders and they're leaders for a reason. So we, we can also look to how they've adopted vehicles and, and that sort of thing and the technologies that they've deployed. And, you know, they're, they're much more prevalent short range vehicles, um, commuter type style vehicles. And we, in Northern America, we don't have those cars yet. They're, they're not prevalent on the market. They're all expensive high-end cars so far. And I think that we really need to start to see some of the, the much less expensive shorter range, smaller vehicles um, that, that are more affordable to the general math uh, and not just the, the really expensive high-end vehicles. So, you know, anyway, 
without getting too much into, into it, I think that's there, there's lots of benefit, but I think the reality is the policy is shifting uh, clearly away from that direction. Do you feel more connected to the Canadian auto industry when you get to announce projects like you did a few weeks ago? Do you feel more folks should pay attention to how Alberta can contribute to the auto industry? Um, I think personally, myself and the E3, I mean, we're intimately connected to the auto industry. And and that's it's in Eastern Canada, it's in the United States, it's in Europe, um, because we it is un, it is uncommon to see automobile companies go buy raw material supply. It's not it has happened in the past, but it's very uncommon. But it is very prevalent today that you're seeing automobile companies come and try to secure supply. So they're stepping over the supply chain uh, vertical and going right to the raw materials because of the concern of the scarcity of supply. So we we have conversations it with directly with automobile companies, and that is not normal in a mineral per company. Normally, you just find a customer like Trafigura, they buy your concentrate, they make it into a product, and that's where it ends for you. For us, we're we're way more integrated into the whole vertical supply chain, and the and the real reason for that comes down to the fact that the product quality is fundamental and it's backed to each customer. So when we sell our product, we will have direct sale contracts with a, a company and we will have to meet a spec that that company requires of us. Um, and, and that relationship is much more in tune um, than a normal project would be by probably an order of magnitude. So yes, we are very well connected, um, especially for a mineral project into that into the auto industry. I'm going to end here. Um, we know that uh, EV sales, um, they're not strong on the prairies and they're not strong in Ontario for that matter, simply because we don't have incentives at the provincial level and neither do the provinces uh, west of Ontario outside of BC. And Alberta is an oil and gas uh, province. There's no question about that. But when companies like E3 start investing in things that go into electric vehicles and it becomes top of mind and it becomes part of the conversation, are Albertans starting to come around to electric vehicles and some of the jobs they seemingly have to offer now in your province? I think that Alberta is fully aware of the electric vehicle um, shift, the, this revolution that's happening. Um, and I think that, you know, the majority of Albertans are very pragmatic and they understand the system. You know, you have to look at oil and gas from the perspective of that it's not going anywhere. You know, it's a high energy source and we will use it for a very long time. And there is a push to to decarbonize. And I think that that decarbonization is fundamental um, to our planet, to having this many people on this planet, be able to operate. We need to decarbonize. 100% we do. But we don't have a replacement yet for the energy con contained within petroleum products. But Albertans understand that. They also understand that the shift is happening. And you look at what's happening on the government level. Right. Um, they are introducing carbon sequestration hubs. And the whole point of these hubs is to decarbonize Alberta's industry and our electricity grid. And that's happening um, irregardless of the, the electric vehicle industry. Um, it is happening because Alberta understands as, as a province that decarbonization is the path that we need to take. And, and oil stands with decarbonization got um, a pathways alliance and, and all the oil companies who compete against each other are are not in this alliance. They're 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 bringing the whole point of it is to decarbonize um, oil coming in the oil sand. So it's it's tough of mind here in the province, right? 
Um, it's just that our industry is, it, our primary industry is petroleum here. So it does dwarf the conversation, but there are, there are tons of electric vehicles in Calgary. I have a Tesla um, and I see Teslas everywhere. I couldn't park today in electric vehicle charging locations because they're all full of EVs. So, yeah, so, so, you know, they are here. The electric vehicles are here. People are buying them. People like them. Um, but they do need to get cheaper and they do need, we do need more choices. And the benefit there is that in the next year or two, so not even that far away, you're going to have every company is going to have two, three, four, five models that are going to span the price ranges. Um, and so in the next couple of years, you're going to see the choice, you're going to see the price. And I think that's going to drive consumer choice, even in Alberta. I think you're going to see lots of uptake of electric vehicles in Alberta. And with more lithium coming online from companies like E3, that should drive down the cost of the minerals. And uh, hopefully we get to that price parity point sooner rather than later. Chris, uh, great of you to join me on the podcast this week. Much appreciated. Always great to check in uh, with the Western portion of Canada. I appreciate it greatly. Yeah, I'm glad to be on the show and thanks for having me. Anytime. I want to thank Chris for being my guest this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have a suggestion or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.